0: Hello, and welcome back to The Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we got Jameson Maxwell and Ty Lee, as always. And folks, what a massive weekend in recruiting for OU. Uh, the party at the Palace went down, and I gotta say, it was just as uh, you know, as exciting as it could get, for sure. So, Jameson, um, we're gonna have you on, you know, as kind of the leader of this. Break it down for us what happened. Allegedly, five commits for the Sooners. Uh, so big stuff happening in Norman.
1: Yeah, it is really, really exciting. This kind of event, you know, gets so much hype around it and having that kind of confidence around our football program before the football season has even started is honestly something that I never even imagined. I know we had talked about it on past episodes, but the thought of our recruiting class having this big of an impact before Brim Venables has ever coached a football game Like these people are buying into the program before they even seen us, you know, go on the football field and like compete. So, I mean, I I don't know about you, Ty, but like as a young kid who's a high schooler and making this one of the biggest, not the biggest, you know, choice in his life and committing to a program and to a coach who hasn't had a lot in their past to show you that this is a legitimate deal. um, This is a huge testament to Brent Venables as a recruiter.
2: Absolutely. And I think it's so important for Oklahoma as a whole because what we've done is we have completely changed the narrative. The, the narrative is still out there. The whole betrayed by your coach, you know, small market suffers at the big markets, uh, leisure, and, and all those other storylines that were centered around Lincoln Riley. They're not out there in the national media anymore. The only time you hear that being spoken of is, is randomly here and there in and, and people's wild postseason fantasies of some sort of replay when you hear about Oklahoma right now, you're hearing, Oh my goodness, these guys are coming in and are they better off having lost their coach? I think so. And and I think some of our viewers might agree as well. I know it's a big storyline out there, but the, the we're going to dive into recruiting here. Cause this is maybe one of our best weekends mm-hmm. ever, but I think it is so important to mention the, we've flipped the script and you turn on Oklahoma news, you search Oklahoma football online or on Twitter, the first thing you're going to see is is Big Game Boomer, or whatever his name is, <laughs> making terrible stuff and getting dragged by Twitter. Uh, but then the second thing you're going to see is tremendous recruiting. And, you know, we can't help what our other fans do, but tremendous recruiting.
0: And I think that's <laughs> the biggest thing, is shifting that narrative from, oh, no, we lost Lincoln Riley, what are we going to do without Lincoln, to look what Brent Venables is doing here. And I think mentality-wise, as a fan base as well, keeping that going, keeping that excitement going rather than, you know, just dunking on Lincoln all the time. I think that's a big move. I think, uh, I don't know, this weekend kind of felt like that moment, that kind of shifted things, um, you know, towards like, all right, we're 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 really building some special here for sure.
1: Yeah. July, the month of July obviously was already a shift, but we didn't, I didn't think things could get any better. Um, I knew there was more, you know, commitments to come and we we're the leader in the clubhouse of a lot of these guys. But after, you know, getting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys in July, and then ending out the last weekend of July um, on this weekend to getting five locks, that is a big, big deal. And I know all of y'all listening are very curious and want to talk about who these five locks are and what that kind of means for this class. So, in no particular, um, order of like how they committed this is more so of how confident i am in this guy you know committing soon and staying in the class um number one on the locket we've talked about him a lot for a long time is jacoby johnson six foot defensive um, six foot three defensive back from mustang you know it's very important to keep your guys in oklahoma and we've had a couple of problems this year um you know getting keeping some of our local guys um even if that was a choice on our end or not uh it did hurt us in terms of the national uh, media saying Oklahoma can't even keep their own guys. Like this recruiting class is going to be looking tough, but jokes on them. Now 9,600 rating on two four seven. He's been a long time. OU lean even in the Lincoln days. And he's just, um, just a matter of when, whenever he was going to commit to us and to this weekend, honestly, whenever everyone's hyping it up and you're seeing people left and right are throwing out commits, that's a great time to hop in the boat. Um, and I'm really, really excited about him. He's the type of guy, you know, as a basketball player and honestly still has a lot to learn on the football field that you could say, like, this guy could go crazy in a Brent Venable scheme.
0: And I I kind of want to, you know, thinking about that, you know, getting an in-state guy, obviously huge, but, um, you know, Mustang, you know, you, you kind of wonder if some of that is because, you know, Central Oklahoma, you know, commits and players don't really have the same. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like all the issues is are usually up in the Tulsa area. So I think it's interesting to see like, oh yeah, we're, we're getting it humming with a Mustang guy. So I wonder if, if it's more of a Tulsa thing versus a Oklahoma as a whole thing.
1: Yeah, that's, that's something to consider for sure. Um, but I think it's just more so like in terms of how you recruit your in-state guys are going to be a little bit different than how you recruit out of state because you have to assume in the state of Oklahoma, and obviously things have changed a little bit, that once you give an offer to an in-state guy, you have to be, that guy's a take no matter what, that he can just take it and move on from it. So you have to be a little bit careful in throwing out offers into in-state guys. Um, but, you know, Jacoby Johnson's not a guy that you, you don't worry about that. He's that good. We've had that offer out to him for a long time, and we'd be happy to take him into the class anytime now. Um, when do we expect him to commit? I'll try to hit that on all of these recruits that we talked about today. Um, really anytime now does not have a set commitment date. Um, but if he is one of the locks, which I feel pretty confident that he is, um, this is a anytime now kind of thing. So just keep your eyes open for him on social media and, um, hopefully it comes here pretty soon. Uh, another name. That uh, I want to talk about. That's my number two on my confidence level, which is kind of crazy to say that um, even when we had talked about him in the past, I didn't think that I was that confident with him. But after this um, weekend, I think Colton Bassick from Austin, the six foot six edge, is a type of guy that I feel very confident on. We saw a barrage of crystal balls and forecasts on rivals in 247 for him, um, even though he had just came from um, Austin in their Texas recruiting um, event that they had this weekend where he was taking pictures with Arch Manning and whatnot. Um, but some people have been talking about this, a guy that even though he has some strong family ties in Austin, um, he wouldn't have a problem going somewhere out of state. And that's why Oregon was such a huge player in his recruiting. And if you talk to me, maybe like a couple of weeks on a month ago, uh, a lot of the boards and recruiting people were talking about how Oregon was the team to beat. And now Oklahoma seems like he's the, te- that's the leader in the clubhouse for him right now. And it could, he could be on watch any moment now. Um, I think getting a guy out of Austin, um, Ty. what do you think about this? Getting a guy out of Austin, does that just uh, mean a little bit more for a recruiting class, knowing that you can take a guy out of their backyard um, in Texas? Because I know that meant a lot when we got Latrell McCutcheon a couple of years ago.
2: Absolutely. And it's, you know, if we can, if we can set up that recruiting pipeline uh, in California, that's, that's awesome to get those uh, California recruits, unless we're going to pretend like some people do that Austin is in Texas. (laughs) Oh no. uh, Anyways. uh, Yeah, no, but that's crucial. I mean, it's, it's the same. Texas is is a much larger state than Oklahoma and with much more brands, there's much more competition there for recruits. So I would almost compare it to, OU losing the in-state recruits, you know, not to say that the city of Austin is on the same level as as the state of Oklahoma. I think we all know where I stand on that. But, if, you know, that just like they steal, you know, from within our basket, I don't think UT's basket is the entire state of Texas. I think North Texas, like OU has been pretty vocal about, uh, is in-state for us. So I, I think it is important to, to show the strength again, flipping the script and and showing the strength of this coaching staff that we have coming in, because especially with these Texas teams, I'm looping A&M into this as well. They don't have a whole lot to point to in the trophy room recently for their guys. UT doesn't even have a whole lot to point to, or even anything to point to some years when it comes to developing people into the draft. I I understand it's a new coaching staff, but OU, you know, we've had some stuff in the trophy room to point to in addition to recruiting. Those Texas schools, all they really go and throw out at a lot of times besides the money is, hey, we recruit well. You're going to be a respected recruit if you come here. But as we start yeah, to Yeah, Texas that had that one reputation recruit as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they had that one recruit that went in there and he was like, he was like, these are just all swimming and gymnastics trophies or something like, it wasn't gymnastics, it was like swimming and something else trophies. He ended up committing there, but like, this guy's like, what am I looking at right now? And they're putting in the graphics of like, diff- like all national championship and big 12 tr- trophies in their graphics and everything. Like, even though, you know, past and, you know, notoriety, uh, isn't the biggest deal in recruiting, you know, some recruits look at that and kind of take a good old laugh at it.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's interesting, and not only that, he, he's a double legacy, which is just pretty nuts. But um, that that same guy who made all the swimming trophy jokes, I, I think, then tried to talk some crap on OU, and that was <laughs> that was, that was a fun saga to follow on Twitter.
1: Do not do not get OU fans started on Twitter because it has been absolute and like a mad like a madhouse recently with all the OU fans because of how confident they are right now and. Like riding all the wrongs from the people counting us out. Um, OU fans on Twitter are not to be messed with. But next up, number three, I feel more confident, obviously, in this guy committing um, to OU than Vasik, But I think um, you know he's just a name to watch because we have to wait a little bit for him. It's Makari Vickers, a six foot one cornerback out of Florida. Um, he's a 9600 composite guy on two four seven. Um, we were in a battle with him, or currently still are in a battle with him. Um, for, with Alabama and, uh, but it seems like that lock this weekend kind of sealed the deal. I feel pretty confident that he is one of these locks and his commitment day is on August 26th. And I've said this on past episodes and in past, uh, past recruiting corners that we've talked about. It is such a big deal. And I'm going to talk about it for another guy, um, here a little bit shortly. Um, whenever it's you versus Alabama is the top two, and you can come out as a winner, between those two, that is a massive, massive deal. Like we like to talk as OU fans that, you know, we are, you know, a blue blood and we're on the level of these other teams, but in all actuality, in terms of recruiting, we're significant lower level comparative to, you know, Alabama and Georgia. And if we can go out straight up and beat them one-on-one, that is a big, big, big deal for us.
0: Oh, absolutely. They've always, they've always been a team that's kind of done less with more. And, you know, even though... Lincoln Riley, when he when he came out and said, you know, oh, my, my 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 recruiting classes weren't really that good at Oklahoma, you know, the teams I was bringing up, like usually would be like the fourth of the of the best teams in the college football playoff. Well, yeah, I mean, he's kind of not wrong. Um, we're dealing with like level 10 classes, but the difference between like a top 10 class and, you know, an Alabama Ohio State, Georgia top 3 classes it's astronomical. You know, that, that leap from a 4 star to a 5 star, that's astronomical, 3 to 4. So, yeah, getting more of those, you know, elite classes um, I mean it would it'd be unreal. You know, we that level up needs to happen. So, it's good to see that, you know, we don't even have we haven't even played a snap yet and it's already kind of getting that way. Absolutely. And I we've talked about it.
2: I'm sure there are technical or a technical term out there for it but i i remember on this on this podcast we've talked about several times uh the term that i've been using is out athlete and and there's sometimes it's in some cases in college football it's there's not a whole lot of parity up and down across the board there's no trickle down recruiting there's no trickle down uh winning situation although the sec would argue that there's some sort of trickle down good situation within their conference but i i think the the important thing to remember is that this, you can have the best scheme, the best everything in the world. And this is something that kind of gets thrown at a lot of the group of five teams, like Cincy, we saw uh this past year, that you know, you can have the the flashiest record and and maybe you even have the best playbook, the best plays, the best scheme, the best preparedness, the more the most serious players and stuff. And eventually, if someone's just bigger, stronger, faster than you, they can just run you over, you know, and that's that's kind of what we've seen. And I think that plays into. Uh, those good recruiting classes within say the SEC that plays into their dominance and their ability to do some things like just run the football up the nose. You know, when you have Derek Henry on your team and you can just feed uh, Derek Henry, who was referred to as the base tractor at the time. uh, And he can just run up the middle like a giant tractor. uh, It doesn't really matter if you have the best scheme. So recruiting is very important in that aspect.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Getting big time players is one step but the next step is you know developing those and you can get by which is that first step but if you have both of those um, we've seen a lot in brent Venables taking guys that aren't that highly recruited um, and turning them into first round picks if you can take five star guys and then turn those guys into first round picks then become nfl stars now there's where you're talking about perennial High end classes because we start to have a clout and a reputation around this coaching program. Um, let's talk about my number four, I guess, on the locks. And that is a guy, another guy I feel like I haven't been talking enough about on past Gruton Corners here is Ryan Yates, four star DB from Denton Guyer, Jackson Arnold, and Peyton Bowen's teammate. And to be honest with you, um, I knew he was interested in OU, but he's a current LSU commit. And Whenever I am a DB committed to LSU, I understand LSU isn't as big time as they used to be, but that is DBU. And I feel like you really can't argue that. The amount of players that have came through that program and have gone to the NFL and do really, really well as a defensive back is, you know, they're very, I don't, I don't think there's an argument um, of who's DBU. It's LSU. And it's hard to kind of flip a guy like that. Um, but he's got Jackson Arnold in his ear. And Peyton Bowen, even though he's a Notre Dame commit, um, definitely really likes OU and has a lot of positive things to say about our program. Um, It seems that we might've gotten to him and he would be a really, really nice addition to this class. Because if you kind of look at it as a whole, even though, um, you know, got Josiah Wagner last week, the defensive back room is definitely the skinniest and adding him, you know, a four-star guy, who's um, really technically sound is very talented, that would be a huge, huge gift for us. And flipping anyone from the SEC, from LSU, into OU would be a big momentum play as well.
0: Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, and, you know, that Din-Geyer connection is, I mean, it's massive. And it seems like there's some real momentum building there. But, you know, flipping, flipping a guy from LSU and then, you know, potentially with Peyton Bowen flipping a guy from, you know, Notre Dame. Um, I mean, massive absolutely massive uh if you know that were to happen so uh certainly love uh seeing jackson arnold out there getting some good momentum going for the sooners and you know like like you said having someone flip from what is definitively dbu that's massive
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think i go for it ty
0: well i was just gonna say an
2: important footnote uh that i think maybe some other people as they're listening to this uh, might be thinking about is with the way that college football is going right now and is projected to go in, in the near future, the, the future that these guys will be playing in, uh, this initial commitment is not necessarily as set in stone uh, as it was before. So it's, I almost wonder if it is becoming easier to flip people, and this is not specific to the guy we're talking about right now or anyone, but it might even become easier to flip people in some sense that a guy understands that where he goes as a freshman – or as a sophomore, whatever else, isn't necessarily where he's going to have to stay. And he's really not going to have to face very many repercussions down the road if he chooses to move elsewhere, especially if he's someone that, that maintains prospects. So not necessarily specific to this guy, just something that I think is a good footnote when we're talking flipping recruits.
1: Yeah, I am going to clarify for MES in the chat. Um, these are my predictions, and this is kind of what a lot of people are predicting as well. Obviously it's a lot of speculation because no one's going to actually tell you outright these are the guys that committed because most experts in the space of recruiting will not tell you but will hint around it because they don't want to take away that moment of that commitment from that player because you know these are kids we're talking about here and it's an extremely big deal for them and their whole life is kind of to this point is leading up to this moment that you don't want to say oh Um, Looks like that Yates is going to be flipping from LSU and you put that on a border and some Twitter somewhere and it's completely blow up that kid's moment. So that it's, it's all about speculation, but for the majority of people in the recruiting space, these are the top five names that I'm saying here um, that are the favorites to be those locks. And I left number five um, to be the biggest name that everyone's been talking about. And I've got some interesting points on it. And Bobby and I have been talking in group text, um, talking about kind of how we, view this a little bit differently, but David Hicks is a huge, huge deal. And obviously that's why the majority of people want to listen to this episode is what is going on with David Hicks. I truly think he is one of the locks. I do. I think that he did um, give a commitment to Brent Venables this weekend. Um, But what does that mean moving forward? Just for people that don't know who David Hicks is, this is the best defensive lineman in the country. Just straight up. Most recruiting services, if not all of them, say that. He's an absolute monster of a man from Allen, Texas, five-star, top-ten player in the country. And it's not just because he's a monster and extremely athletically gifted. If you watch his tape, this guy's got great handwork and footwork. He's doing things that they teach, you know, college kids do. When you're playing 6A football in Texas and you're getting coached at Allen, like he's learning things and you can tell he's developed a lot of stuff into his game. So we're not just getting, you know, like a physical freak only. We're getting a skilled, skilled defensive lineman if we could get David Hicks from this class. Um, the problem with him, and this is what kind of where I'll bring Bobby in, is you know, this guy's commitment date is set for January. Whenever you're a top end player, a lot of those guys like to wait till January, you know, do the all-American game. Um, and that's a big deal for him. But if you are a commitment and you gave your commitment to Brent Venables this weekend at OU, hit Brent Venables says you can't be an OU commit unless you don't take any more visits. And I just don't see David Hicks not taking any more visits until January. And I understand you're like, oh, but he's just committing to like keep a spot in this class. Like that kind of player is going to have a spot in this class, no matter what. So I think technically this lock, how we should envision it for David Hicks is essentially now we're the leader. We have eclipsed Texas A&M as the number one team and the favorite here. And it's going to be a battle until January to get David Hicks, but that is something to be extremely excited about for David Hicks, because I think that the players might view him as a commit and have them in all their group texts together to OU. But in terms of it being
0: official, we're going to have to wait and see throughout the season. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing is it, it it certainly is something to be excited about, but I, I feel like, you know, the kind of approaching it as, well, you never know what will happen between now and January. As we all know, as as OU uh, you know, podcasters who have followed this team through what was uh, quite a tumultuous offseason, you know, anything can happen. Well, look at Gabriel uh, Brownlow Dindy from last year. You know, obviously he was in and then Lincoln left and he was out. So, you know, obviously a lot can happen. And especially with Texas A&M, as we saw from their recruiting class last year, uh, you know those bags can come in. You could flip a guy back, and um, you know, I look it, it, right now, nobody's killing the bagman game more than Texas A&M. So I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't fully, fully be pumped yet. But I, I would be pretty excited if he actually is a commit, and he actually stays true to his word and follows through with the Brent Venables. Uh, you know, structure of a commit um, because this might actually be the first true test of, Hey, all right. If you're actually committed, no visits, all that, that's going to be tricky, especially with uh, just kind of how a is as we've, as, as we've seen, you know, with like Malachi Nelson taking a visit out there, which is pretty crazy because he, you know, was a, as, as ride or die of a guy to Lincoln Riley, as as you've been able to see. So you never know with the Aggies. I wouldn't be too, like, I wouldn't be like, this is a lock, it's over with. But it's certainly something to be absolutely thrilled about, um, without a doubt.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I were if I were a betting man, I would go to our wonderful sponsors, DraftKings, and look for some lines on whether or not uh, someone would flip. But I think <laughs> when it comes to... <laughs> they're when they're it, starting it to bet on high schoolers. I don't think right? they have. <laughs> God, one day, one day. Put it past uh, people.
0: They, they would do but, it. There are people who yeah. would do that.
2: Oh yeah, I, that's I love that. Like the uh, the I forget the characters names, but the guys from Caddyshack that are in the bushes the whole time, just putting money on every single thing. You know, five dollars he picks his nose, ten dollars he eats it. Uh, famous Caddyshack line. But uh, what I wanted to say when it comes to to guys like this, you know, the late great, not necessarily late because he's not dead yet, but maybe one day, Mike Tyson once said. Everybody's got a plan to get punched in the mouth. So who oh, knows? No. <laughs> that was, so now we're, feuding, I, now we're feuding love... with Jimbo Fisher and Mike Tyson. What was that one uh, I'm that significantly Tyson? more scared of?
1: Uh, oh my God, that's so good. That's what it I, sounds I, like, like, isn't it? I like that you
2: did it. Was dare, kind of a, you... It was kind of Mickey Mouse
0: as Mike Tyson. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a lit. Uh, but yeah, you do uh, a better Mike Tyson, but it, I just did a, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, honestly, it's just something you just probably, I, I appreciate that you shot for the moon there, but unfortunately just laid a little short there. Oh um, my God. <laughs> incredible. That, that, but the thing is with David Hicks, like Bobby said, and I think we've
1: came to an agreement on this is this is something to be extremely excited about, but don't expect him to be committing publicly to us. Um, but we should be the number one team right now. Um, but you also got to start thinking about like the phenomenon of like group think and a little bit of peer pressure, I guess, in this situation, because my guess is he wasn't, you know, the second or the third lock. He probably was number four, or number five. Um, whenever you are in this really fun environment and you're getting along with all these people and you're starting to see other people commit and people are like pushing you kind of to like, come on, you know, you want to, you know, obviously you like, Oh, you the most just, just commit. Why not? Like, there's probably a little bit of pushing here and there. And then once he gets home and he um, kind of sits and thinks about it for a couple of weeks and, you know, the high of everything dies off and maybe he takes another visit, you know, to Texas a m or whatnot, like this, you know, might fizzle just a little bit. So um, I think being number one for David Hicks is something I am ecstatic about. And if he, we could grab him, um, I mean, is this like even better than Gerald McCoy level of a type of defensive player that we've got in this class? Like, I can't name you a comparable defensive line or defensive prospect that we've actually got. Um, other than, I guess, Dendy would have been the closest thing, Bobby.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, he is, uh, he is, he's McCoy level without a doubt. You know, um, just looking at it, you know, I think he's the top defensive tackle in the country. He's the, mm-hmm. what, third best player in the state of Texas, something like that. I, I've seen, he, you know, you can know, you, you it never. It depends know where them. you look. It depends where you look. This is a this is a five star type of guy. This is and not only that, there are there are just physically not a lot of people that large, and that capable, um, in in the country. Like they just do not exist. So the fact number that you have one, Texas. One, yeah, the fact that you have one that like a guy who has that size, but also those skills at an early age before even getting in with. You know uh, Todd Bates and um, you know uh, Miguel uh, uh, Chavis. You Chavis, know. yeah. Ch- is it Chavis? Chavis? Yes, it's Chavis. Chavis. It's Chavis. Yeah, but it's I keep Chavis. saying Chavis. It's fair. We we'll, we'll get there. We're, we're we need to be a better last name podcast. On that, I guess, just, I, this is
1: what you come here for.
0: Yeah. Exactly. We, we- Trying to figure out how to say our coach's names correctly. I, apparently I, I screwed up uh Venables sometimes. <laughs> you almost did I almost did I started overthinking about it. But no, I, I'm saying like McCoy, I'm I'm trying to pull up his old two four seven, but I mean he was a massive, you know, he, he was out of um you know, he's out of OKC. So just I mean that was that was yeah. a big time thing, you know. But, best
2: uh best I, OU player currently in the NFL. Oh, God. (laughs) According
1: to former rankings of Ty. Absolute wild. And we're like, I think we all know who's going to be number one here. And Bobby like, Trent Williams, Trent Williams. Ty's like, Ty hits him with the Gerald McCoy. (laughs) Allen Iverson. On
2: a a more serious note, while you guys are, are pulling things up, it's important to note that not all recruits are created alike. And I think it's also important to note that you don't get to the level that he's at without being someone that loves the game and he's also a high school guy who doesn't love especially high school guys getting treated like a, a prince. You can't expect a guy to commit early somewhere. You especially if it's the Oklahoma situation where we're saying, "Hey, if you're committed, you're not taking visits, you're not taking anything else." You know, even if I'm if I'm in his seat and I'm 100% committed to OU, I'm still a top 10 in the nation. A five-star D lineman, a position that everyone wants. Uh, no one's going to turn that down. You know, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs—those are the flashy ones. Those are the the carbs. But the the linemen are the meat to the meal that you're having there. They're the ones that hold it down. I would be taking my—I I wouldn't necessarily be taking my time in, in a sort of malicious way. But you can't blame him. He's getting to go see. Mm-hmm. All of these tremendous programs. If you just love college football, wouldn't you love to be in that position where Jimbo Fisher calls you and says, "Hey, how about you come on over? I'll show you our facilities. We can sit down and talk for however long." You know, Nick Saban, uh, whoever's the coach at Texas right now. And just all those. I would be touring. I'd be touring UNT, which I'm pretty sure anyone that is on an inhaler or even not on an inhaler, either one doesn't matter. You could get an official visit from UNT's football team. But I I think, you know, you can't blame a guy for not taking this offer that OU was offering. Not that it's not a good one, but it's, you know, this whole Brent Venable system of once you're committed here, you're committed here is understandable, but it also receives some understandable criticism. So I can't fault a guy for, you know, Oklahoma, Even Bama, if you're at this level of recruit, is not necessarily a program where they call you and the second you get a call from OU, unfortunately, as much as I want us to be, you hang up the phone, you don't talk to anyone else. You're going to talk to anyone else, even if it's to get some free meals and go see some ridiculous facilities and get to meet just literal celebrities that are parts of the... I would love to go see Miami's facility and talk to, to Cristobal. I would love to go talk to Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, you know, I'd go talk to Dan Mullen in Florida. You know, it's, it, you can't blame the guy. For this. <laughs> would, he, what, would he just be like fishing or
0: hanging out? Or... <laughs> Do you remember the fiasco? I'll, I'll tell Rome? you, I'll tell yeah. you. We need, we need it. I have some words for you. We need Hugh a refresher. So I'll tell you that. Dan, Dan, oh, Mullen, Dan Mullen also wouldn't want to recruit anyways. He's too busy. Like even, right. if he, even if he was still employed by Florida, he would just be like, I don't want to talk don't to you, like you at all. Lie. Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football. Their first ever NFT fantasy game. A new way to enjoy daily fantasy football. A new shot to win millions in prizes. And the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contest all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineups of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more, like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmaker's tile and opt-in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes, all football season long, and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Going over the five people I think the locks
1: are. Um, Jacoby Johnson, Colton Bassick, Makari Vickers, Ryan Yates, and David Hicks, and There was a commit that's already announced from this weekend. It was Trey Brown a Preferred Walk-On, but he was not one of the locks. He he did not get an emoji for this weekend. Um, So if you were wondering, that is not one of them. But let's talk about a couple more other guys in terms of this class and who were there um, this weekend um, that we could also see possibly be a commit in the near future Um, that didn't get a a lock yet. We've already talked about Peyton Bowen, but I want to kind of hit on him again. He came with his brother, Eli Bowen, and Jackson Arnold and Ryan Yates, four guys all from the same high school uh, on this trip, and he just got upgraded to a five-star on on three. Um, This is a five-star defensive back committed to Notre Dame that I wouldn't be surprised if we lead for him right now but he has such a you know, strong connection with an early commitment to Notre Dame that it's be pretty hard to really cut that off. It's going to hurt him because that's, you know, just um, I mean, imagine, go back in the day, like, you know, imagine like how hard it was to break up with your first girlfriend. Maybe you didn't like them the most, you know, they, they were just your first one, but you just don't know how to do it. It's just hard to cut it off. Um, even if you know deep down that there's someone better for you in your future. Um, so it might take a little bit of time and it might be an aw- awkward, uncomfortable situation for him. But there's going to be people, a great support system around him that if he wants to make that decision, they'll make him feel right at home.
2: That was an oddly specific and uh, <laughs> awkwardly long
0: analogy. Especially you're thinking about like Marcus Freeman as the girlfriend, <laughs> which would be even funnier <laughs> if it was Brian Kelly, though. <laughs> i mean i wasn't thinking of it like that i don't know i mean you really just trying to break thinking- up this family after <laughs> everything i've done <laughs> marcus uh,
1: freeman's a great guy Mark- that would hurt though it would it would hurt to give him the rejection like he yeah. just seems like a genuinely great guy what a move from him to brian from brian kelly
0: Oh yeah, way more likable. Also he probably, you know, won't send up uh I'm not going to take that joke. But anyways, uh <laughs> Marcus Freeman is a generally likable guy. Uh his 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 little video where they did like the uh like Notre Dame uniform release for their Vegas game, pretty funny. Pretty funny. Mhm. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah, but let's
1: let's go down the list a little bit more. Um, there's still a lot to talk about in this pod. Um, I see a couple of um, people talking in the chat about Jordan Raynaud, um, four-star um, defensive lineman out of Tyler, Texas, like a 9,600 composite guy on um, 247. I've said that about three recruits so far. 9,600 is a high, high number. That's great. Um, he got a couple of crystal balls um, this weekend. I think I saw Parker Thune of 247 give him one. Um, And we make good strides with him, but this is another guy I kind of hinted at it when we're talking about Macari Vickers. This is another guy that we're fighting with Alabama for. And if we could come out, that one, that would be big. And you could see um, some of our coaches talking on Twitter. Like, I forget who exactly it was. Like, mom Mamas, you don't have to worry about your boys, you know, getting double teamed anymore on the defensive line when I mean, you come for play for OU because we're going to have that good of a class. And, honestly, that shows some, you know, pretty confidence, and I am guarantee you they're kind of talking about Jordan Raynon and Hicks here because if you put those two next to each other in the class, that is fun. <laughs> like, they are just absolute two monsters of men that would give some people problems. And then those two guys, and guess what? Let's not forget about PJ Attaboari, our favorite guy in this class, said Mr. Seven Foot Wingspan. If you're trying to block two monsters of men in the outside, and then you got a seven foot speed guy with a like, are you kidding me?
0: Like, that is a class I want to be a part about if I if I'm a defensive lineman. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, just still thinking about things too. Like, we haven't even talked about Derek LeBlanc, who committed a couple of days ago. Oh, I
1: completely didn't yeah. even say him, like, which is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> it's it's unreal. This this class is that unreal we are literally forgetting about four star guys who were recruited a couple days ago because more just keeps happening it's it's really exciting
2: well this is you know that the title line for us or the headline is not clickbait this could be one of the best recruiting weekends for the university of oklahoma ever i obviously you can make an argument that maybe there's been better recruiting classes and you know there's once-in-a-generation guys like Adrian Peterson, obviously, that sort of skew rankings. But I, I think collectively, you know, we are putting together all sorts of critical elements. And obviously some of this is is not necessarily speculation, but some of this is is reading between the lines. But, yeah, we, we can't say enough that this is potentially one of the best, if not the best, recruiting weekend for the University of Oklahoma football team that's ever occurred. And uh, when I think about that, the, the main thing I think about is I wish that last weekend I would have gone to our sponsors, DraftKings, and found some stuff to <laughs> bet on, betting on this being such a great week. God bless. Uh, this I don't think you is- could do that. Full disclosure, I don't think I don't do that. that's a thing that they do. <laughs> Uh, we we can open
1: up some special schooner pod lines of how many meals we could eat at the calf and two of the college football. But I I think, I think this rivals 2018 uh, spring game, how big of a weekend, you can see the hype. You remember how many eyeballs we got from that trip. Like that kind of feels like this. And I said in the past, I didn't know if we were going to get this type type of feeling that we had with the eyeballs. And you know, this, I can't wait to see who's going to be our next commit kind of thing that we have with Lincoln Riley. We're getting him with Venables. This feels great. And and honestly, another guy that could be committing in maybe three or so weeks. August 26th days, Anthony Evans, five foot eleven, four star wide receiver out of Converse, Texas. Um, he got a couple of um, crystal balls from the two four seven guys um, this weekend. And he is another speed guy, kind of like Petaway. Uh, he would be a lot of fun on this uh in this class because I kind of started thinking about it and I was like, you know, it's really nice getting speed guys. Cause other than Mario Williams, I feel like OU has really struggled to get guys that are like absolute burners and speedsters in their classes. Like we knew Marvin Mims had some speed, um, but it's not like it's, you know, I, I feel like when we were going through recruitment with him, it was more like he's just really like sound and does everything right. And he's got some speed, but it's not like he's a burner kind of speed. Um having two guys that can take the top off and this class would be a lot of fun. Um, and just add it on. This is the cherry on top. Honestly, there's a lot going on with this class already. And Anthony Evans on top of it would be a lot of fun.
0: Well, and you know, when you think about it, the best burners we've had the past, past couple years, Hollywood Brown, DD Westbrook, both of those guys were, you know, Mm -hmm. Juco guys. So yeah, we, we, we haven't been the best at getting them out there, you know, mainly because I, I don't think we had traditionally been a very great wide receiver recruiting type of, you know, program just overall. I mean, you have you had guys like Sterling Shepard who don't get me wrong. They were great, but he was like a three star guy. Maybe maybe he was a four star. He was four star. He he, he got he got got bumped. He got bumped. Yeah. But mostly operated as a three star guy in in high school. But, you know, but developed into what he was and what he is. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I'd love to see that. And of course we don't. We don't. We don't you, you can't forget about the time where we got three five-star wide receivers, and they all just, uh, yeah. Well, we have one. No, of was, them. I, I think
1: Theoese can do well this season. We'll see. I think he can. We'll see about it. I'm
0: not. I'm not calling it. No, well, two one, of them are still in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. That's good. one. Uh, That's
2: one plays for the uh, the longest yard. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Honestly,
1: I, I honestly be curious to see what he's doing right now because I really That's, don't know. He's uh um,
2: he's going to the the tree
0: outs. Oh, God.
1: Goodness gracious. So, uh,
0: so Jameson, how far do you think this uh, this class can go? What do you think the ceiling is? Is there a that's, ceiling? That's the
1: thing. I, I was going to bring it up because we're already right now before all of these locks and before all these guys that I talk like Raynaud and um, Evans and Bowen, we already have 18 guys in this class. And like in terms of the new transfer portal um, time of the year, you know, like classes used to be 25 to 30, you know, 30 being a lot. Um Now you got to keep some scholarships open just in case, you know, that one disgruntled freshman comes through um, one big time program and says, I want to transfer. You got to keep some in your back pocket just in case. Um, And if we have 18 commits right now, we have five locks. And then I talked about two or three other guys that could be in this class. 26 sounds pretty full to me. And, you know, assuming we might lose a couple, but still, that is almost done other than a couple more people like, we could pretty much close it up at that. And that is crazy to say because I know like a lot of y'all listening and then us here, like we feel pretty confident about how OU is going to do this season. And that's only going to want more people trying to get in this class. Like people are going to be knocking on Brent's doors saying like, I I wish you could talk to me more now. Um, It seems I shouldn't have played it so long. Um, I wish I would have talked to you before all this hype started. Um, so we could be shutting things down and getting pretty slow and get to focus on actual football rather than recruiting throughout the season. So that's really, really interesting to say. And one one last um, stat, and I kind of want to hear y'all's reaction from this. Um, I saw uh, on Twitter a great at sign, at Sooner, or Boom Sooners underscore 69. Um, said if only, oh, if only you only added Macari Vickers and Jacoby Johnson to this class, this is paraphrasing what he said, um, that would be the third best class in OU history. And 2010, um, OU was the best, but they have 30 commits. And so obviously that's going to push up the rankings. And then number two is 2019, which was, you know, we already talked about it Spencer Rattler at the five, three five stars and then Austin Stogner. Um, like that was a monster class. And it already put us in that hemisphere. Only adding McCarty Vickers and Jacoby Johnson, I know a lot of people on um, Twitter have been kind of playing different scenarios of where we'd end up if we got certain guys. Um, this could be the best recruiting class ever if things end up right now um, how we think they are.
0: I mean, absolutely. Do you think it could be number one? Uh,
1: I mean, I think so. I really do. I think if David Hicks, I'd have to go back and check all the math and everything, but if we get end up getting David Hicks and you a know, um, guy like Raynaud and um, Bowen, I-, I could see it. Um, being our best class definitely. Um, cause having 26 guys, um, is a good amount too. So uh, yeah, if you put the rumor locks, it, it put us at three Oh five. Uh, I think that'd be the highest. Cause I think, I think the 2010 was like at three Oh one or something. So, um, yeah. I'm not sure on that number, but I think three Oh five sounds higher than it. So, um, this could be a crazy class, but I know we have a long ways to go and it's inevitable. We might lose some, a couple of people, but all in all, it is a great position to be in whenever you have power, right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
2: Uh, for sure, I, I think you know. It, maybe it's not a metric, but best class per capita. Uh, I can't think of a better, a better term. But like you said, you know, the higher ranked classes had uh, notably more people in in some cases. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think and it's like, big. Yeah, like we've been saying, this one is not. It's not small. And it's not all—it's not all flash. I, I saw someone this past week uh, pointing out the Texas situation when it comes to recruiting. Texas has, even through all their downs of the past, since wonderful, brilliant coach Mack Brown, uh, who cameoed on Friday Night Lights and now plays doesn't play, but he coaches <laughs> at uh, UNC. Uh, should imagine? never have been fired. Uh, they would have another national championship by now if he was still in Texas. But since they fired him because they're silly, uh, they've always had good recruiting classes, but it's been all flash. There hasn't really been that meat there. Like I was saying, the meat are the linemen, the underappreciated positions uh, that pull things together. They can recruit those big flashy guys, which I don't want to, I have to overtly say it because this is podcast and video format, but by overtly saying this, I'm implying that perhaps that was a Lincoln Riley situation as well. I know we can point to really good uh, line and everything else players that were under Lincoln Riley and really good recruits under Lincoln Riley, but you have to, you have to notice that all those other recruiting classes that are potentially ranking above this one were Bob Stoops, 12 years ago, Bob Stoops, 15 years ago, Bob Stoops, Barry Switzer, you know, I I would make an argument for those. Obviously it's a different system, but, you can't. Oh, well, I guess you pointed to uh to Spencer Rattler, Austin Stogner. Shout out to Austin Stogner, that boy can code if you need to find something from an Oracle <laughs> database. Uh look for him. Uh but <laughs> weird factoid that you will not get from any other media other than the ones that sat next to him in MIS class at the Price School of Business. Uh so but yeah, it's I think I, I do want to point out. It, we are recruiting at a level that I, I saw some people comparing it to Barry Switzer walking in in his fur coat and saying, "Hey there, son, uh, do you like Corvettes?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's obviously, yeah. we're not doing that, but uh, <laughs> but who who
1: knows what we're doing? But well, just kind of as a recap, though, like July was absolutely crazy. Um, but you know, in tops in terms of like talking about cl- best class of all time. We have a five-star quarterback whose rankings just seem to be keep going up and up with his new with his, uh, camps that he's been going to. Um, the running back position is definitely the weakest in our class, but we got two guys that DeMarco Murray really wanted early, so you've got to believe that a guy like DeMarco Murray knows what he wants. Uh, the wide receiver position, you know, Petaway is absolute stellar kind of guy to have. Uh, and then the offensive line, Caden Green, is a huge, huge get for us. That's another top 50 kind of guy. And then I'm just going position by position. Uh, defensive line, obviously, we talked would be the strongest position in this class of everything held. Um, and then at linebacker, if you want to consider PJ Boari, that absolute animal of an edge. And then um, Peyton Bowen would be a five-star defensive back. We would have top 50-ish guys at almost every single position group.
0: Yeah, that's unreal. I,
2: I do want to point out, obviously, when you're looking at the run game, The line, I would argue, is more important than the running back. But it is important Mm -hmm. to note, if you look at our incoming offensive coordinator, uh, Jeff Levy, obviously, if you look at his numbers, a lot of his games at Ole Miss uh, were approaching 70% run plays. This is not that uh, 50-50 Lincoln-Riley offense that maybe OU fans are used to where you break down the numbers and a lot of games, it's pretty darn close to the exact number of plays, 50 run, 50 pass. Obviously there's a lot of RPOs in there. Uh, Shout out to uh, UT, is the RPO a runner a pass? Uh, But uh, we're onboarding a a much more run-heavy offense. So it could be a point of concern that we're not really pointing out any any you know flashy running backs, but at the same time, if I had to pick a subpar or even an average line and a great running back versus a great line and an okay mm-hmm. running back, I think I'm taking the great line and the okay I running agree. back.
0: Yeah, and, and and I gotta say, like overall, what you what you said about you know the the fact that these are the, these this class is not as flashy as, you know, oh, we got five, you know, three five-star wide wide receivers, all that. Well, the thing is, it is a very good meat and potatoes, five-star,